Okay, awesome. So hello to anyone who's listening. This is Casey Barker for my um, LDRS 1015 podcast. Um, and I am joined by J Jared Logan, if I can speak properly. Um, so Jared, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, hello everyone. Um, as Casey mentioned, my name is Jared Logan. Um, I use he and his pronouns. Um, I am the assistant director or serve as the assistant director um, for special populations within new student and family programs here at Virginia Tech. So really what that means is I'm responsible for the transitional experience and transitional needs of our special population students. That includes all first generation transfer international student veterans and students of color and or unrepresented and underserved student populations. Awesome. So um, Jared and I worked together for pretty much year and a half. He came in on the tail end of my orientation experience in 2019, but we spent all summer together yes. um, last summer doing orientation. That, that was fun switching over to a virtual experience. <laughs> it was a time, but yeah. it was a good time. <laughs> it was a time. It was a moment. That's, that's where we were at. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just going to ask a couple questions kind of about um, leadership, diversity, and all that jazz. So Ooh. how have you found that your Clifton strengths affect your leadership capabilities? Oh, wow. Um, so I am one of those unique folks that my top five are all in relationship building. Um, so everything I do is from my emotions, <laughs> it's what people would say, but really from but really centered around how I build relationships and the importance of relationships. Um, so my, my leadership style um, is again, so is relational. So I am someone that really enjoys making connections with people, learning about them, um, what makes, what makes them um, work well, what makes them maybe not work as well, um, how they engage with other people in this space. Um, and by knowing and understanding folks, I'm able, and knowing understanding folks I'm able to lead them with the way, the way they need to be led and the way they they want to be led um I think how it shows up in my in my current role is you know I I work with our orientation team and I work with student leaders within new student family programs and um you know each each student needs something different um whether they're a student leader or they're an incoming student they need something different and I I try my best to use my leadership style and my Clifton strengths to understand what that is um, and connect them either to resources that they need um or to um share their desires with the people that need to know so that they can be in the, they can be in the right steps where they need to go um, and really just empower folks to be their authentic selves and how they live their lives and um, make sure that they're showing them their own leadership um, in the best way. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I know we've talked about this three out of my five strengths yeah. are in relationship building. I am Enneagram type two. I Same. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I am all about trying to um, support people in all of that. Yeah. So next question is, as the assistant director for special populations, you obviously have tons of experience working with different groups of people and their various lived experiences in life and specifically in higher education and college. So what's the most important thing you've learned from your work in this position regarding diversity and inclusion? Mm. It's, it's, that's a great question. I, and in my role, I think, not in my role, but I think in my office, Diversity and inclusion is a pillar of all things that we do. Um, 
the Director of Nutrient Family Programs, um, is the Equity and Inclusion Officer for the association that does orientation, retention, and uh, transition. So um, everything we do is centered within diversity and inclusion, but I would say the most important thing that I've learned um, about diversity and inclusion um, is, you know, understanding that maybe not everyone is ready to have certain conversations um, within diversity and inclusion. That doesn't mean they need to, that does not mean they don't need to happen. They absolutely need to happen. We absolutely, like, part of my role is to train and develop student leaders to understand diversity and inclusion so that they can engage with incoming students and their families in the best way possible. Um, but I think I've learned a lot of, you know, using my knowledge of diversity and inclusion from graduate studies, but also my own lived experiences within diversity and inclusion, I think I've had to adapt um, to, you know, what learning style students need um, and how um, and how I can share information about diversity and inclusion that is going to be digestible. Um, not that it's going to be comfortable, because it's not. It's going to be a very uncomfortable conversation. I think they're, they're always uncomfortable conversations that they're not things that you've had or they're not a part of your everyday life, um, but making it so that it's digestible, um, that there's reflection within that, um, that it's not something where I tell you, this is what power and privilege looks like and you have privilege and then move on to the next topic, really sitting with students and seeing with other people saying, okay, I just hope that you have privilege. Maybe you've never heard that before in your life or maybe you disagree with me, that's okay. Um, but let's talk about what that means. Let's talk about, um, how that may or may not have shown up. And let me give you some examples of things you may not have noticed. Um, and then from there, we can talk about how do you use the knowledge I just gave you to put that into the work that you do with new students, but also how do you put this into your life um, and how you engage with peers, friends, faculty, staff, family. Um, we know that having those conversations with families are, is extremely difficult, but um, really giving students the, the I, I take the tools to know how to do that in the best way and properly. Yeah, that kind of what you had talked about, like that's something that I really appreciated from my training with orientation is a lot of the basis of my diversity, equity, and inclusion training came from orientation and came from having those um, kind of difficult conversations that I didn't think I was ready for, you know, coming from a very small very white town, like I had never really been trained in any of that. So it was really important. And honestly, it was really cool to learn about um, in orientation, being able to expand upon that. So then kind of going off of that, what's something specific you've learned about diversity, equity, and inclusion in higher education? Ooh. So I, I have a unique perspective in that um, my graduate program, so when I went to graduate school, I went to Clemson University, um, and my program has a social justice lens. It is part of what we do. Everything we talked about was within diversity and inclusion, social justice and inclusion. Um, but I think what I've learned, wait, repeat the question for me one more time. Um, what do you think is the or no, that was the wrong question, sorry. Um, what's something specific you've learned about diversity, equity, and inclusion in higher education? Thank you. Okay, so I, what I've learned is that, and I think I've known this, we have a long way to go. 
we have an extremely long way to go um, in how we talk about diversity and inclusion in college. Um, I, I, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier of, I think we, we have been trying to make people comfortable with talking about it. It's uncomfortable, period. It's an uncomfortable conversation. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable. We can discuss these things, um, but something that within higher education that I think we need to do um, is, I think we've always talked about like, and with my philosophy within diversity and inclusion is that I need people to do their own work. I can give you certain things, but I need you to do your work. Um, how do I take it a step further for you though? How do I give you the information and then maybe give you some resources to start doing your own work? Um, I think that that's probably the, the hardest step I think for students. I'll talk about students and I'll talk about administrators. Um, it's two different things, but for students, I think it is, okay, great, you told me all this information, what do I do with it? Okay, great, now I know this definition, but what does it have to do with me? Well, this is what it means for you. Um, this is how it impacts how you engage with other people. But here's a book, here's an article, here's a video. Um, I think Generation Z loves a video. We love a quick video, something that we can digest in about 60 seconds. Um, anything longer than that, I may lose you, but like, let's, let, let me give you something that you could um, visually see, you can read on your own time. And then from there, dive, like then from there you can dive and dive as deep as you are ready to do. Um, that's what we need to do for students. For administrators, um, I think we are very much in this, my belief is we're in this space. This is all of higher education of like, there have been some people that have been in, been in positions of power for a really long time. Um, and things aren't changing because they've been in this position for so long. Um, we have leadership that has been in their positions for 20, 30, 40 years. So much has changed in 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so many things, not just higher ed wise, but socially, like gay marriage is now legalized. That happened less than six years ago. Um, we're getting culture, we're getting community centers on institutions, campuses less than 10 years ago. Like we're, we're a little behind on how, how are we supporting diversity and inclusion and showing it um, in the work that we do, right? So like, how, how are we doing that? Um, um, and showing students and showing the people outside of the institution that we're doing our work. Awesome. Um, so next question, kind of changing topics a little bit. So mm -hmm. when it comes to the three primary leadership skills needed for effective leadership, so administrative, conceptual, interpersonal, and I think, I think I'll know the answer to this just based on conversations we've had, but where do you see yourself excelling most? Administrative. I'm kidding. That is not, <laughs> that is not me. 100%. Um, <laughs> I am a hundred percent, not always a hundred percent, but very interpersonal, but I'll share, I'll share with you. Um, COVID-19 has made me very administrative um, in that I've, I've had to be, I've had to adapt, the, I've had to think about how do I use my strengths to do other things. So how, because I have all five or in, my top five are in relationship building, how am I using 
using that to be influencing? How am I using that to be strategic? How am I doing those to be executing? Um, and to do those administrative um, and conceptualizing pieces um, well. And it's been a challenge. It's, it's, not, it's not easy by any means, um, but um, we're doing it. We're making it happen. And I, I think every day I, um, I, have to, I have to practice those things because I, I can easily sit back in the interpersonal piece though that makes me really happy. And I think it's so effective. Uh, I know that I have to stretch myself a little bit to think about how am I leading administratively? How am I thinking conceptually to make sure things are happening? Yes, I, again, we are very similar in our leadership capabilities like that. So I definitely relate to it. So then kind of bouncing off of that, what do you think is the most important skill um, of those three to have in student affairs? Hmm. I'm going to give you the, I think I, it's a very political answer, right? But I, I think they, they play different roles for different places, right? So I think, you know, we may think that, you know, the administrative piece should, those folks are going to be people that do assessment and professional development. Um, those are going to be the folks that are maybe doing conduct. Like those are the folks that are doing the different functional areas. While you're in a personal baby, your student activities, your orientation, your fraternity and story life folks. Um, but they each play a specific role. I can't be interpersonal all the time. One, as much as I love people, I become very tired. Like I, I can become peopled out really quickly. Um, but I also in my role, I have to be administrative. I have to, there, there are budgets that I have to work with. I have to make sure we follow certain policies and procedures to get things done. I, you know, I have to think about that. There's paperwork, there are logistics that, that live and exist that I have to be able to do effectively, not just be okay at, I need them effectively because in my role, I'm working with thousands of people that are coming in. And within that, I work with a very niche group of students and families that need different, that need specific things that our majority students don't. Um, so really a collection of all three is, is best. Yes, I, I, I definitely agree with that, but I wanted to see if you had anything different to say with it. Yeah. Um, so then what do you think are some of the advantages to having a diverse team in upper leadership positions? Uh, hmm. I, I mean, one representation, I think, it, to see yourself in places, uh, it, to see yourself in positions that are working with you, you know, you hope, and it, it is seen that you're being thought of. So I know that, you know, to see another Black man in leadership, whether it be at student affairs or whatever, uh, I, um, I can do that. They're, they're thinking about me and they're going to think about my identities in the work that we're doing. Um, yes. Um, so then with that upper leadership idea, what are some characteristics that you look for in a supervisor in higher education? So I need a supervisor that is 
and and if you asked me this at the beginning of my time in student affairs, I would have given you a different answer. But now I can tell you, I need a supervisor that is affirming but tough on me. Um, I you know, I need to know that I'm doing a good job, but I also need someone to tell me that like, Jared, this is not the quality that we need to be doing. And that may feel like, whoa, like that's a lot. No, I need to hear that. I need someone to tell me that, you know, do better because you know I can be better in it. Um, I need a supervisor that when, when it's time to fight for me, they will. They can go into the space and say, no, I know Jared did this, 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 and this, and he followed this, this, and this. It happened today. I was having a conversation, my supervisor reached out to me and she was like, you met with this campus partner, what did you share with them? Here's all the things I shared with them. Here's the forward emails, great. I knew you had done it already, I just wanted to make sure. That's what I need. I need to know that there's someone fighting with me um, in it, but also someone that is, that's also thinking about the students past me. They're thinking about what is their experience? What do they need and how do I build my team and how do I build the person that I'm supervising to do that job well? Um, and one of my philosophies within supervision is, as a supervisor myself, but also someone that is that is being supervised, part of a supervisor's role is to prepare you to leave. And that sounds rough, but like part of a supervisor's job is to prepare you for the next role you're going into. I'm not going to be here forever. My supervisor knows that. So her role and part of her role is to make sure that I have the skills that I need to move to the next space. But I'll also do my job here, but be able to move to the next location wherever I'm going. Yeah, I I definitely agree with all that, but especially um, the part about like, just kind of, you need that little kick in the butt sometimes because I know that is something I experienced a lot with orientation because I have a big procrastination problem and you you saw that during orientation um my other supervisors saw that and every once in a while I just needed to get that email that was like hey we know you can do better than this you, mm -hmm. you need to be on top of things and it's kind of like it hurts in the moment but it really helps out in the long run so unfortunately, right after I asked this question, Jared actually had to hop off of the Zoom for an emergency orientation meeting because at the time I'm recording this, um, orientation registration actually opens tomorrow and they had to figure out some logistical issues going on with it. Thankfully, that was the last question I had for him um, other than asking if a hot dog is a sandwich, which, spoiler alert, it is not a sandwich. Um, but I just wanted to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.